Welcome to the Breakfast with Champions podcast, where every day we bring you motivation, education, and inspiration to help you reach your full potential. You can check us out at bwcdaily.com. On this show, we feature celebrity interviews as well as experts and leaders in fields like business, marketing, sales, branding, and mindset. Our goal is to give you a seat at the table to listen in on conversations with some of the most amazing people around the world, people who are doing the things you know you can do and reaching the levels you know you can reach. So get ready to be motivated and inspired and grab your seat at the table for the Breakfast with Champions podcast. And don't forget to check us out at bwcdaily.com. Good morning, good morning. My name is Alexander Gonzalez, and I'm coming to you live from St. Pete, Florida. And I am super excited to be with each and every single one of you. I have to tell you, Dr. Tanji, that was my first time being guided by you through meditation. I didn't even know that you had an award-winning, um, whatever it was that you had mentioned earlier, that I was just like, whoa. And it's so true, the power of relaxation, but also just truly bringing up that this is a time of year that can be really difficult for people. And unfortunately, we do see a lot of death uh, through heart attack, through suicide, and all the things that you mentioned. So I just want to take a moment to honor you, Dr. Tanji, honor that practice, and really honor the, you know, the guidance you just gave us the last 15 minutes or so. So thank you so much, Queen. You are powerful. Your voice sounds great with that slow music going behind it. Like, I, I, I know the turn up, Dr. D Tanji, and so I got to see a whole other side today. So I love it. Much love, Dr. Tanji. Thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm really, really blessed because I do have a friend here that's with me. So if you guys can help me get him so he's a little bit more visible. He has the yellow background. His name is Corey Calvin. I have had the privilege of interviewing this young man. I say young man, he's a little bit older than me, but you know, whatever. We feel young anyways. Uh, when he had his last book launch, um, which was called Jump Without a Parachute. Many of you were in that room. It was a nighttime book launch that we did here on Clubhouse, not on Breakfast of Champions, but on Clubhouse. And the cool thing is, is that he is now launching his third book, working on a fourth book, and has had so many incredible things happen since the last time we spoke that I'm super excited to bring him to you guys. This is someone who I actually met two years ago, uh, almost two years ago at a health and wellness expo. We were both tabling, we chit-chatted, he talked about all of the incredible things that he has done in his life, and we instantly became friends. Since then, we've become business partners. We have been able to travel literally the world together, see different places. And I've been able to see him put out book after book that continues being a bestseller because of the shift that it causes in the life of others. And so I'm so excited that today I get to introduce you guys, my friend, I get to introduce to you some of the work that he's done, and really we get to learn and grow together. So without further ado, please introduce, oh, excuse me, welcome as I introduce to you my friend, please feel free to unmute and let's hear, woo, -woo Corey Calvin, let's go! I know y'all got more than that. Where, where, where are my people at right now? Where are my people at? 
Welcome, Corey. Welcome. Yes. It's the old people you're dealing with. Yeah, well, you know what? They, Dr. Tangy did such a good job. Dr. Tangy did such a good job. They got, we got people in massage chairs. Everybody has just zenned out, Alexander. That's exactly what's happening. And, 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 you, and you guys will see real quick. I do want to say just real quick because I got the Argentina flag still flying on my profile for uh, – the World Cup. I, I'm sure that y'all watched uh, the most incredible World Cup in the whole wide world, the most stressful World Cup I've ever seen a final of. And so, Dr. Chanji, I needed that relaxation, actually, after yesterday. But, Corey, brother, how are you doing today? How are you feeling today here in St. Pete, Florida? Yeah, thank you so much for the awesome introduction, Alexander. You always bring it, especially at 7 a.m. on a Monday. That's amazing. I, uh, I usually get up before this, but I'm not usually on, if you will, um, before 7 a.m. So it's uh, this is a new experience for me, but I'm super excited to be on. And um, thanks for the amazing introduction. Let's let's do this today. I'm, I'm ready yeah. to uh, hop on and share some nuggets. I, I'm super excited. You know, it's funny. He's actually someone who practices meditation regularly. And so he texts me. He's like, I'm, I'm going to do a X amount of time meditation and then I'll jump on. And then he jumps on and he's like, wait, are you guys meditating in this room? And I'm like, yes, sir. The segment before me every Monday is of meditation, usually Miss Larissa, but Dr. Tanji filled in. And so let's kind of start right there. First and foremost, how was your meditation? How it's coming in to the end of our meditation? Talk to me, brother. Yeah, I. so it's interesting. I started my meditation practice over 20 years ago without knowing anything about it. Um, and I just heard the buzzword and I was like, oh, that sounds fun. And, you know, I'd gone to church and spiritual centers and I thought, you know, let me just start thinking about this hey, word meditation. And so my meditation me journey has evolved for nice. sure. But I really did get really serious about it. I'd say into the past 10 years when I started a mindfulness-based stress reduction course, um, which talks about all kinds of meditation. But over the past couple of years, you know, with technology and having it on your phone and making it easier for people to understand what meditation really is and what it isn't, you know, I think a lot of people think like, oh, I'm not good at meditation. And it's like, well, there's really no goal to meditation. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I uh, started using this app called Insight Timer, um, which is a free app. And there's all kinds of apps out there. I started with the app called Headspace and I moved over to Jay Shetty's app called Calm. And then now I'm using Insight Timer. And I love Insight Timer. It just tracks what you're doing. And I think all the apps do, but um, I think it just hit 101 days of nonstop meditation. Um, but I've, I've meditated probably over the past two years, I've only missed, I would say, 20 to 30 days. So this is part of my morning routine. And today I, I have a, a really awesome meditation. It's only five minutes. It's on gratitude. And it's a great way to start my day. And so, yeah, when I woke up this morning, that's the first thing that I do. And I said, Alexander, I'll hop on. Um, so I was in meditation, but when I hopped into your um, in this room, Dr. Tanji was leading a beautiful, beautiful meditation, and I just continued my practice. So it was a perfect extension of what I was doing this morning. I love that. And, you know, it's interesting because you know, again, this kind of does segue because I always like to start. And so, you know, Corey, I'm not. You haven't had the the chance yet to catch one of my interviews here on Breakfast with Champions. But when I bring in these incredible people that have had incredible success in life, the whole goal is to hear their story, hear what they're up to, and in the conversation, naturally, we know that success leaves clues unless you're clueless. So there's going to be nuggets that are dropped. 
One of the things that we're really focusing on in this talk today, in this interview, because I want to make sure that you guys actually leave with actual, you know, hard evidence of success. What it is that I can do to get from point A to point B, because we're all sitting there, we're listening. And so I always love to start where people came from, because it's not always about the end goal. Yes, Corey, you've had lots of success in business. Yes, you've been able to do some incredible things. You're one of few people that's touched and been on every single continent. There's all these incredible things that we can talk about, but that's not necessarily where you started. You weren't necessarily born into a gazillionaire family that allowed you to do all these incredible things. You weren't even born in a family where meditation was even a practice. And yet you've been able to pick up all of these different things. Talk to me. I mean, I'm privileged enough to know a lot about your life, but for the audience, talk to me. What were the humble beginnings of Corey Calvin? Small town USA, uh, a bigger than life personality that didn't necessarily fit in, but you made it happen. And let's start there. What was your youth like, my brother? Yeah, no, thank you for that. Um, you know, we only have 50 more minutes, so I'll, I'll make it concise and, and to the point to pull out the, the key moments. But yeah, born in rural Ohio, uh, my town, I graduated with about 70 people and I was a nobody in high school. You know, it's interesting, you know, they have that whole homecoming king. It's like a popularity contest and there's like the top five guys. There's only like 30, 30 guys in our high school. I wouldn't have even been close to the top five, top 10. Um, I was a theater geek, but there was just something that I knew that my, I, I had more to give in life and it wasn't until college were really... I, I joined a fraternity in my life for some reason, and I, I really still can't pinpoint it. I read a book um, called um, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. And it really, that book, for some reason, at that moment in my life, I think it was 18, 19, changed my life. And I set a trajectory on moving forward into kind of what I'm doing now. But, you know, I was confused as a youth. I, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what my identity was. I lived in my sister's shadow. I don't know if anybody out there has, um, you know, an older sibling or maybe even a younger sibling where they got the glory. My sister was everything, valedictorian, three sport MVP, homecoming queen. Everyone knew her. And I was just living in her shadow. So I was just kind of like this guy, tra this boy traveling along with the fam watching her. Um, and so, you know, I, I remember that though, because I, I knew that, you know what, like if she can do great things, I can do great things. We had the same parents. So it was, we had the same upbringing, but in a way her upbringing was more of, since she was in the spotlight, she had everything given to her. And one of the things I realized along the way is that I, I had to go through so much adversity, even about who I was with my sexual orientation, you know, I didn't realize, you know, that I was so different than everyone else that, you know, it was, it was strange. And even though back in the day, this is in the eighties, I knew that something was just different for me. And so I had really, I struggled emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and it wasn't until I got out of college and uh, moved to New York City where I could really discover my sexuality. But deep down inside, I knew that there was a light to shine brightly. And I had, I had gone through so much adversity through bullying and, you know, people calling me hey. names. And, you know, I'm a 6'2 hey. guy. I'm a, a volleyball player. But I, I was like 5'2 until my and junior year. My voice was high. You. So I got made fun of, right? Like 
I was like everyone, you know, I, I had acne. I was in show choir. I got, I got all kinds of stuff thrown at me. So when I went to college, I really started excelling at certain things. And I, I was, I, I could start being my own person. And through college, I did some amazing things. And then it wasn't until after I graduated college, I got a job on Wall Street um, doing investment banking where I could really come into my own. And, you know, anybody that lives in New York City, you're just, a, you're, you know, you're just a number in New York City. Um, and so I just became a number, which was good. But that number was really good for me because I could actually be who I wanted to be. I didn't have to be someone else that people in my small hometown wanted me to be. So I was blessed to then really flourish and thrive and figure out who I was and eventually went on to do some amazing things. But really my upbringing, you know, Alexander, just talking about adversity, the thing that I tie my success to was that I had to go through a lot of emotional and mental adversity as a younger person. And I'm not to say that people can't go through adversity later in life, but that just shaped the trajectory of my life because I had to really work at it because things weren't handed to me like my sister. And I love my sister, but she struggles in life sometimes. And actually more than, more than I've seen other people struggle because she, didn't, she doesn't have the tools. She didn't learn the tools to really adjust to that, you know, things that when life gets going hard after college, because her life was so perfect younger, she wasn't able to then adjust to anything that was thrown at her. So I think I attribute a lot of my success to my younger years of facing adversity and solving problems and being able to figure it out. You know, I totally agree, actually. And, 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 you know, like I said, I have had the privilege of actually becoming friends with you and knowing you and going back to that hometown, knowing your sister, getting to know all of these, you know, situations. And so it's very true, you know, that adversity actually did kind of shape you. I think more than anything, it made you resourceful. And what's really cool is that in your resourcefulness, you found these different things in your life that have helped you actually achieve the success that you wanted. And so, you know, before we move on to the Corey who was and start talking about the Corey who is and is becoming, I want to kind of tap into the fact that you did reach the pinnacles of success when it comes to business. You were, um, you know, at a very high position with PepsiCo. Um, you got to, you know, really work with the you know, basically the C-suite of PepsiCo, PepsiCo International, get to know these people, present to these people. But you did something that was really cool while you were there. And, and in fact, it's kind of, I would say, the, the main juice, if you will, of the first book that you wrote, which ultimately went into becoming a multiple best-selling book. Um, but, you know, you had to actually go through the process in corporate America, being in a, as a, an executive with an incredible, you know, Fortune 50 company. And you had to go through the process of coming out because it was different coming out socially than it was coming out in your workplace. Right. And in doing so, you actually helped create something at PepsiCo that I, is still in use today and allowed inclusion and love and understanding be something that made it to corporate America and not just something that we heard about. And then in the boardroom, we still saw some, you know, inappropriateness, some bigotry, some, um, you know, judgment, et cetera. You shifted that for a, a huge company, and I'm sure that's had lasting effects. Tell that story really quickly and how that kind of came about. Yeah, no, th thanks for, for asking that question. I, you know, before I got to PepsiCo, just real quick, you know, I talked about in my book, my very first book is called I Almost Became Me. 
it's really my memoir of coming out in a small town and also then going into a in, into the corporate world and coming out and I remember before PepsiCo, before I became an executive at PepsiCo, I worked for a, a, a private company where it was kind of like a boys club. And I, there's a chapter in my book called, um, I think it's called, you know, going to work with your mask on um, and wearing a mask at work. And many people can, I think, relate to this concept when they walk into the office or walk into a specific situation related to work. They aren't their authentic self. They change something about their personality, about the way they interact, the things that they would normally do in their personal life, they change. And so I had to do that for most of my career, my 20s and early 30s, is I put a mask on at work when people were at, would ask me what I did over the weekend. I would have to get really creative about changing my story so people wouldn't catch on to what I actually did. So in a way, I was lying to my coworkers about what I was doing. Um, but it, it was protecting my identity. And people people do this gay or straight. It doesn't matter who you are. I think a lot of people do this where they change their thought process when they walk into work. And I think being your authentic self in and out of work is so important to me as a being because it it, it basically allows me to accept myself in all ways and not just some ways. And so I made a commitment to myself when I joined PepsiCo. I came out in my interview and they they asked me why you want to work at PepsiCo. And I said, well, I need to be my authentic self every day in every hour, not just for the time that I'm home. And then I have to turn it off and be someone else at work. And I went on to become the global employee resource group leader for LGBT at PepsiCo. And it's really interesting. We came together and we realized that we, you know, I was already out and I, I but I, re, I had conversations through all my meetings and things that I led and, you know, PepsiCo is a, a huge global organization, 250 employees around the world is a Fortune 50 company. I had become the global um, director of corporate strategy, working on beverage rollout around the world. And so I had the unique privilege of working with Indra Nui, the former CEO of PepsiCo, one of the most powerful women and CEOs of the world, um, and worked her way up, born in India, and worked her way up to become a CEO of a Fortune 50 company, which is pretty incredible. Her story is amazing. Google her, read about her. Um, but, you know, through my conversations, I realized there were, you know, even this is even in 20, you know, 2016, 2015, we think like we've come a long way, but there were still people because we had offices around the country and around the world and rural places, even our facilities were in rural places where there were people that would come to work and would lie about their life. And I knew this firsthand because I would speak to some of them through the organization. We had a, a private hotline that people could call in and I got to speak to a lot of people around the country. And people would tell me like, Corey, I've worked here for 29 years and no one knows I have a wife, this is a woman. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, wow, you come to work every day and you cannot be and share your, your joy, your love with other people, just like other people do. They put their photos of their wives, their or their husbands or their spouses or their partners up, but you haven't been able, you haven't felt comfortable enough to do that. We gotta do something about this. We gotta create a program to allow people to be their authentic self, gay or straight. It doesn't matter who it is, but just to be authentic in the workplace. And we created an ally program that was rolled out globally. We had people on five different continents or um, offices and locations over across five continents. Um, we had a humongous um, acceptance rate where we basically had these little um, badges that you put up our stickers or, or magnets at your cubicle or workplace or even on your badge at work. Basically, it was an ally sticker that showed that you're an ally. 
Now you can be an ally, you could be a gay ally or a straight ally. And I think what that ended up doing was it allowed people to visibly see that they were surrounded by other people who accepted them. And it was that simple thing that we did. It was rolled out globally. And then we started presenting to other companies about this. And ultimately we went on, we went on to win a chairman's award. We were presented um, the diversity award at PepsiCo globally from Indra Nui after rolling out that amazing program. And even to this day, they have Global Ally Day in June where they celebrate the, the, the program, but really it's every day where people can create an inclusive environment and let their employee, their, their colleagues know without actually saying it, it's visible. It's something that people can visibly see that, hey, we're all on the same team here. You need to come to work and be authentic. So that was quite an accomplishment. And I'm really, really proud of that and something that continues to this day. And, and a lot of other Fortune 500 companies have adopted it and now are rolling out um, in their global organizations. Which is awesome because it's that lasting impact that you made in your career, not just in what you did, which I think is really cool because sometimes people think, okay, I'm an accountant or I'm a teacher or I'm a doctor or I'm a salesperson or whatever the role may be. And I got to come in and just do what I do. But the reality is, is that if you look at what you do every single day, if you look at the opportunity for success in more than just in the role that you're playing, you can actually have a lasting impact, which Corey has now had a lasting impact, not just on PepsiCo, a Fortune 50 company, but on other Fortune 500 companies that have adopted similar things when these people left PepsiCo and went to other companies, taking on that same mentality of acceptance and love. That's powerful. And so, you know, you do these incredible things, you really reach the pinnacle of your career. Right. You, you, you've reached the top the upper echelons of a Fortune 50 company. You are helping with global expansion and strategy and all these incredible things. And then it stops becoming fulfilling. Then it stops really. It, it's almost like you already made it to the top of Mount Everest. What's next? So I know that there was a loss that happened that kind of shook you. And then after that, you kind of made a really interesting choice to kind of leave it all behind and see the world. What enticed you ultimately to go from being this corporate, all-American, having successes, changing rules, changing cultures, to ultimately living a life that you take all of the things that you've learned and you give to others? I love it. Yeah, it's crazy to think this past October was five years ago that I left my entire corporate career behind. I said goodbye to it. And it's kind of crazy. My colleagues at PepsiCo at the time were like, you're crazy, like crazy, crazy person. <laughs> like, what are you doing? You know, I'd gotten my finance degree. I'd worked on Wall Street. I'd become a consultant. I worked my way up the corporate ladder, presenting to the high echelons of a Fortune 50 company as a global director of strategy. I'd gotten my MBA along the way. Everything was like on the path that I thought, you know, growing up with everything that I've seen. And I write about this in my book, Jump Without a Parachute, about how we, we see our mentors and our, our caretakers, our parents or whomever took care of you and, or role models. And we see that this is the path. This is the trajectory. And for me, it was all in business. It's interesting that that's the path that I took. But one day I gave it all up. 
And it wasn't just in that moment. The probably the biggest question that I have was that I get a lot of times was Corey. What was there like one moment that you remember that you just triggered you? And it's interesting. There's not a lot of moments, uh, or sorry, there there's there there are a lot of moments. Um, but the one moment that I can kind of go back to was just being in, the, in a corporate boardroom around all these high powered executives. Um, and being expected to know all this nonsensical data and knowledge and being prepared for all these things. And I just was so uncomfortable. I was literally like shaking and nervous. And it's like, wait a minute, like if you're at the peak of what you want to be doing, why are you not like enjoying the moment? Why are you not loving the moment? And and for me, I just started digging deeper in that. I said, I got to do something about this. Why am I not fulfilled? with what I thought was success, what my corporate path, what this, this career trajectory that I was on, I mean, my goal was to become the CEO of a company and I was on that path. And so, you know, I, I just started thinking deeper and I thought, you know, there has to be more out there for me to be fulfilled. This word fulfillment started popping up in my life. Am I fulfilled? Am I making a ton of money? Yes. Am I, do I have my 401k and my benefits? Yes. Am I seen by my peers and my family and my friends as successful? Yes. Do I think I'm successful? No. It's kind of interesting that inside it was this internal turmoil going on. And so I just started thinking about, well, Corey, what if you tried something different? What if you triggered? I could, I could go and I started looking at jobs on LinkedIn. You know how we always do that? Like, oh, let me, and I've worked with career coaches before, and you know, we narrow down the buzzwords that we want to search for and all the LinkedIn and all the Indeeds and all the things. We start looking at these keywords, and it was just like it just was it didn't work for me anymore. I'm like, I'm just basically trading one position for another position, of one title for another title, one salary for another salary. It was the same old, same old, same old. I can't do it. And so I I, I was going through a relationship and um, we had broken up and we were supposed to go to Northern Europe and I switched all that two weeks later. I went by myself to um, Australia and then I had a whole week in Bali. And when I was in Bali, I'll, I went to this yoga class and I'll, I'll never forget after this yoga class sitting down um, at this picnic table with this French girl who had quit her job six months ago and she was telling me how she did it. And she was basically me just six months ahead of me. And I, I was talking to her and I just, it's like that one little conversation changed me. And I said, you know what, why can't I too jump and not know what will happen? Because if I continue just to say, Hey, I need to be prepared for all these scenarios. Well, I'm never going to make the big change. I'm going to, I'm going to be safe. I'm going to try to do this position and then try to do that. Well, that's unrealistic. You can't really straddle between two rooms you have to go out of the room, shut the door, walk down the dark hallway that you don't know what's going to happen and go into a different room after that. So I came back from Bali and I, I researched the company. And I don't know if many of you are, if you're part of a company or not, but in Pepsi's policy, buried, buried, no one really wants to tell you about this. There's the opportunity that any employee after a year could take a leave of absence up to six months unpaid, but you'd still get benefits. And I thought, well, that's cool. Let me see if I can do that. I walked into work the next day 
Um, and I asked my boss if I could do it. And I, and they said, sure. And so he signed off on it. HR signed off on it. My original plan was to go for six months and return back into my same position. But if anybody knows anybody that's been on a leave of absence outside of education, <laughs> you know that most likely 90% of the time they don't come back. And that's for me, along the way, I traveled the world. I went to Antarctica. I've done all seven continents. And along the way, I said, enough of this. I need to do this every day. I need to be me every day and be authentic every day and be fulfilled every day. And so I left it behind. Um, and, you know, Alexander, sorry, a long story. I wanted to lead up to that because it allowed me along the way to start forcing myself to really look at myself in the mirror and say, what do you ultimately want? In my corporate career, I never did that. I mean, I tried to do that. You hear all these people like, look at yourself in the mirror. What do you really want? But you're so stressed out. You're so like in the rat race. You're so on the hamster wheel, right? You're so like running so fast. Even with the holiday break for two weeks, you come back. It's, it's the same thing. You really need a good six months to a year for you to unwind and unlearn all those things that you learned. And you can't do that in your current job. You actually have to leave it to really figure it out. And for me, that was the biggest thing where I realized over that year that I was exactly where I needed to be. And was it scary? Absolutely. It was scary. I didn't have an income. Um, I didn't have benefits. I didn't have that savings. And a lot of people I talk to that say, Corey, I could never do that. Those are the three exact things they say that the reasons they couldn't because they have a mortgage to pay, they have children, right? All the ties that people give you that wouldn't allow you to actually like pick up and go. So, Alexander, I don't think that really answered your question, but that was no, my that's, story leading, leading that, up that's to it, like right? why you know, I left. And you, you know, you did write a book about it. And then the cool thing about the book, it's not just your story of how you jumped without a parachute. It actually has in tandem uh, a workbook that actually, if someone is in that place, now listen, we're not in any way, shape, or form saying go quit your jobs and find yourself. That's not at all the story here. But what Corey had to do for him in order to ultimately make sure that he was living his life of authenticity. It all comes back together, right? It all comes back to the, the program that you created at, at, at PepsiCo where you're helping others, you're, not just yourself, but everyone be able to show up to work authentically uh, received and loved in spite of the differences and realizing that really there's more similarities than differences. You just kept on that same journey of authenticity and realized that this corporate story wasn't your story. It was the story you think your dad needed to hear. It was a story you felt like maybe your hometown needed to hear that Corey, Corey Calvin left and he was a success. But the reality is, is that you measured success differently internally. And when you came to the realization that your success measure was different than what you were forcing upon your life, you made a shift. And when that shift happened, you were able to jump without a parachute, which is book number two. I love that it's all inter interweaving into this and, and, and actually not just do it, but guide others on how to do it, too. Now, yeah. uh, go ahead. Real, just real quick. I mean, I think you make an important point. You know, my story is my story. Everyone has their own story. I'm not to say the corporate world is the worst thing in the world. Like I think for, a, for many, 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 many people, it is a great place to be. 
And I think maybe it's just maybe not the right position if you're unhappy or the right company, right? There are things that you can do to change. Just be careful as you're switching certain things that you're not trading out the same for the same. And I think that's really the key here is I think the corporate world has so many amazing benefits. I don't want people to think like, well, Corey, like I'm in the corporate world and you're dissing my career. Like, no, 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 no. Don't get me wrong. For me, there was just something itchy at me that I need, I would, I'm like, I'm a citizen of the world. Like, I need to get out of here. And so that was really where it was coming from. But I think for other people, look, like people, I have lots of people in my friends and family that are perfectly happy in the corporate world. And it's amazing. And they, and, they, and there's so many amazing things. It's just taking the time to really figure it out. So the book that I wrote was Jump Without a Parachute is how to figure it out while you're in your corporate career. I'm not saying, yeah, Alexander, I think you make a good point. Like, don't everyone go out and leave your job. That's not what I'm saying, because that may not be the best thing for everybody. But there is a process that you can take that you can really figure it out if you take the time to do it. So thanks, Alexander, for triggering that thought for me. No, and, and, and what's cool is that it, it, what I love is that your books have really become kind of a reflection of the who you were, who you've become and who you're becoming that, that really dawned on me. And, and really, it, they're, they're all a, a beautiful it, you know, almost a beautiful song of authenticity, you know, and again, it, your authentic self might be the person that's slaying it in the corporate world, but you may not be. You may be the person that has achieved the corporate ladder, if you will, because that's the path that you thought you had to take. But when you're sitting inside, you really want to be a teacher or you really want to be a yoga instructor or you really want to be a truck driver. I don't know, whatever it is, it's figuring out how can I live every single day doing what I love? And we hear that old adage, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And there is so much truth to that. But if you just blindly try to figure out how to, what it is that you're gonna to love to do and then just blindly go into it, you might have some success, sure, because. And people win the lottery, but we don't bank on winning a lottery ticket, right? And so when you have those paths, when you can see how someone has done what you're hoping to do and successfully navigated those waters, now you can learn from them. And, and Corey, you know, on this journey of the last five years, being a solopreneur, kind of you've created a few different companies that you love, that you get to uh, every single day uh, participate in as much as you'd like or not like. And and they bring you joy and also they bring you income so that you can continue living life as you want. But you learned a lot of tips and tricks. You know, you talked about it earlier, the last 20 years, you've really dived into, um, um, you know, uh, oh my gosh, meditation and, and learning all those things you actually gave. And I saw some people asking about what's a good meditation. He gave a wonderful app called Insight Timer. It is a free app. Uh, you can Google it, uh, or excuse me, search in your app store or play store. And it is wonderful because you can even set by time. You can say, I want a five minute meditation, a 60 minute meditation, whatever it is. And then you can say what you need it to be about. Maybe gratitude, maybe abundance, maybe you're going through something and you can find the right meditation to fit you. So that's insight timer. But on this journey, you know, you went to Bali, you had this, you know, interaction with this French woman. You've now since gone to Bali, I think five more times, um, having lots of spiritual awakenings and journey every single time. You realize that through all of your success, through all of the incredible things that, um, you know, by the grace of God, you've been able to have gone through 
that treating, regardless if you're in corporate America or you're not, regardless if you're a solopreneur or you are working with a bunch of people, there's certain things that you've realized that will help you be successful. And so I know that you are someone, and you've actually been really impressive to me. One of the things that I look at you and I'm like, man, he's got this down. Like I really, really do think is so great is you have these morning routines. You have certain things that you do on a weekly basis every single week that set yourself up for success. How did you get to the place in your life that you learn these things, and then what are they? What are the things that you know that as you sit every single day, if you do these things, you will have success that others can duplicate and see the same success in their life? Ooh, I love the secret sauce question. I love it. Um, well, real quick on Insight Timer, if anybody downloads the app and people are like, well, how do I like, what meditations do I need to listen to? If you become friends with me, and no, it doesn't mean like Facebook friends, but you're like friends in the app. You can actually see all the meditations that I listen to. So that would get you started on meditating. I listen to some that are three minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes, but you could start with those. And then as you get comfortable with the app, you could find your own just as a little side tip. Um, yeah, so that's just, that would help you insight timer. Um, but yeah, so, you know, leaving the corporate world, you know, talking about what, things I've done to really help me, the tips and tricks and things like that. And I've been Indonesia, guys, crazy, like six times in Indonesia over the past four, no, five years now. Um, obviously, COVID for two years, couldn't even go there. Um, you know, I had to really adapt my new world. The first year after I left the corporate career, I, I literally just was like trying to unwind my brain and, and get different brain firing pathways to like start thinking a little bit differently. But I realized that for me to be successful in this new world with new corporate salary and no benefits that were provided by a company, I had to buy them on my own and no 401k, <laughs> no colleagues. I had to create everything and I had to hold myself accountable because there's no boss. There's no... <laughs> There's no one there on, you know, a nine o'clock meeting on Monday with your team or whatever day it is. There's no team meeting that says, okay, this week, what are we going to, what went well and what are we going to accomplish? Like, I'm sure y'all have some sort of team meeting you check in with. Um, and so I didn't have any of that. And I realized that I had to get, get on it. I had to figure out a way for me because, I mean, let's be honest, if I have the choice, and this is just me, if I had the choice of, I don't know, like going and seeing something like a sightseeing in a different part of the world or working. Well, of course, I'm going to pick the sightseeing, right? Like I'm going to go, you know, even if I'm working from home and I'm an entrepreneur and I have something exciting happening that day or I have this project I need to work on. Well, if I don't, ha I don't set boundaries for myself, I'm totally going to do that exciting thing because there's I don't have to go to work. I don't have to go into this meeting or this have this report due, right? So I had to really create a structure around me for me to perform and be successful. Now, I think when people hear the word structure, I, I know a lot of people are like turned off because I think it's different for everybody. But it's true. There has to be a level of organization to your life for you to get everything that you want to get done. And so I had to start getting better at becoming organized um, because if I didn't have some sort of structure, I would just honestly like 
I wouldn't be moving forward. I'd be moving backwards. And so one of the things that I did was I created a Monday morning meeting for myself. <laughs> and it was just a meeting of one. <laughs> and now, no, I wasn't like sitting in one chair and talking and going and sitting in the other chair and talking and having a meeting with my like talking, talking like third person. I literally went through a, a process and that process was designed to help me iterate every week and figure out, okay, let's do what, I go back to my team meetings I had in the corporate world. What did we talk about? Well, we talked about successes. What did success look like? What did we, what do we want to celebrate? You know, people celebrate birthdays and things like that, but in work and in, in the career, what do we celebrate? Well, I went back over the past week and I said, okay, what are my, what, what went well? What do I want to celebrate? And so I wrote down 10 things that, you know, and it was 10 every week. It wasn't four. I would make myself find 10 things that I wanted to celebrate. And so my morning meeting was structured. I would, and I have it as a meeting on my calendar. It's every nine o'clock every Monday. So at nine o'clock in an hour and a half or hour and 15 minutes, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to have my meeting with myself. And I'm going to talk about, okay, what went well? Write down 10 things. Then I'm going to write down, well, what didn't go so well? And then I'm going to write down, what did I learn? And then I'm going to write down, well, of the things that didn't get done, why didn't they get done? There's a reason why they didn't get done. Was it that you procrastinated? Was it because that you're not interested in doing it, which usually is the case when you don't want to do something? when you don't want to procrastinate something, but if it has a strategic purpose in your life or in your career and you need to do it, well, you need to figure out a way to do it. So that part of the meeting is figuring out action steps for me to actually complete it the following week, the upcoming week. So I went through and, and iterated my weeks and I would keep these in a weekly journal and log in every quarter and, 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 and sorry to finish, finish the week at the end of the week, or sorry, at the end of the meeting, I would write down what are the top three most important things that have to get done this week. And I would make sure that I would focus the rest of my week on those big things. There were other things that needed to get done clearly, but there were three big things that I had to get done. And so I would make sure then that I would focus everything, focus my week on that. And then what I would do, the last step is I would do this thing called time blocking. I don't know if I'm sure people have heard different versions of this. It's also called adding appointments to your calendar, right? It's, it's the same thing. Um, so what I would do, and I would do this and I would carve out at least 15 minutes because it takes some time, 20 minutes, is I would literally carve out every moment of my calendar the rest of the week. Now, I know some of you are thinking, that's crazy. I get it. I would add in some flex time. So I wasn't, I was giving myself some, I was being kind to myself. But during the day, I would literally from nine to five or nine to six, every hour, every minute was accounted for. Now these are big blocks of time, but I'd also put in, a, put in some time for rest. I would, I would carve out time for meditation. I would carve out time to eat. Um, but I would make sure Monday through Friday, and even sometimes on Saturday and Sunday, depending on what was happening, I would block off time. If I wanted to go to the gym and work out, I would put it in there. From 6 to 7.30 is my gym time. From 7.30 to 8.30 at night is my dinner time. 
from 8.30 to the rest of the night is my downtime, my quiet time, my unwind time. So I got really good at blocking off my calendar. Now, will I admit that every week was the same? No, there were some weeks where I would block off my calendar, but something would come up. Well, guess what? I would just adjust my calendar. And here's the thing. If I were working on a task and I would start going beyond that time, I would put my pencil down, well, whatever I was working with, and I would allocate then time later in the week or the following week to start that up again. So I would hold myself accountable to the time blocks. Now, I would quickly learn that some of the time blocks weren't realistic, and so I would start learning from that. But I had to start somewhere. The whole point is you start somewhere and learn from it, and then you start getting better at allocating your time. And then you start really becoming more productive. So that was really the weekly check-in for me was the biggest thing. And people can do this in their corporate career, by the way, and then, and even in their personal life. If you have personal goals, and I think this is really important for people to remember, is that this isn't just about your career. If you're in a corporate world, well, you probably have a team meeting. But do you do this for your personal life? Do you have a weekly check-in for your personal life? And then what I did every quarter, every 90 days, every three months, I would go back through all these weekly check-ins and summarize my quarter. And I would say, how did I do over the past 90 days? And then what I would do is at the end of each year, go through those four quarterly check-ins and assess my year. And I've been doing this now for five years where my weekly meeting turns into a a quarterly check-in, turns into annual goal setting. And this process then helps me go all the way back down to every day. I try to figure out how to plan out my day, but I already have it in my calendar. But now... I can go through this flow and this process that makes it feel a little easier. And, you know, I love that because as people are sitting down and listening and and I can remember hearing, you know, you tell me that you do this and listen, we are solopreneurs. We are in the business of waking up and we run our days however we want. There's many of us in this audience that are entrepreneurs and you are not the type of entrepreneur that owns your business and you go into a brick and mortar every single day. You might be the type of entrepreneur like me, like Corey, like many of us on this stage that we wake up and we walk down into our office or we walk down into our dining room table or we walk down where we don't leave the house to start work. We keep doing that. And you always hear, well, if you treat it like you're the CEO of your own Fortune 500, and if you do all this, then you'll have success. But then you think, how the heck do I do that? You know, and then we hear people like you that are these incredibly organized type A, just successful winners. And you're like, okay, I love hearing it, but how do you do it? And so you kind of did something to kind of help people like me out. (laughs) And regardless if you are an entrepreneur or you are working the corporate ladder or you are a teacher or whatever, just like Corey said, whether it's for your business or for your personal life, having a place that you can kind of figure out how to have those weekly check-ins, how to turn those weekly check-ins into quarterly check-ins, how to take that quarterly information and turn it into a year year in review and ultimately a goal setting session for the year to come, how to keep yourself accountable to achieving the things that you want to achieve, be them successes in business or trips with your family or whatever it is that you're working towards. How do you stay on track? And you kind of did us a little favor to make it a little bit easier. And one of the things that I know that you've incorporated in your meditative practices in just 
who you are as a human being is gratitude. So when we combine all of these steps, the time blocking, the quarterly review, the weekly review, the annual review, all the things, and we throw in gratitude, I think that that's really where the magic sauce kind of comes in. Talk to us about the power of gratitude and then tell us this little tool that maybe you've kind of created that we can actually utilize to replicate a lot of what you've done uh, over the culmination of the last five years. Yeah, no, thanks. I know we only have 12 minutes left, so let me be brief. You know, gratitude for me is something that has allowed me to remember what's important in my life. You know, many people hear the buzzword gratitude and I'm not, I'm not a scientist, I'm not a researcher, but if you go and Google gratitude, how it can change your brain, how it can change your health, how it can help you sleep. Um, it's interesting when you start doing the research and you realize that gratitude can help you become a better human being. And also I know the, um, you know, right before uh, Dr. Tanji was talking about how, how you can extend your life. You know, gratitude is the key component of allowing your body to calm down and allowing your brain to focus on what's most important, especially when times are tough. Look, I lost my mom three years ago at 63 years old to brain cancer unexpectedly. Two months later, we found out she's dead. Thriving woman at the peak of her life. How could this happen? And for me, I was so shocked. It took me, it took, it, it took me so much time to recover, but I realized that I had to live in this gratitude practice. I had to be thankful that she was a part of my life, that my life is better because she existed. And so gratitude goes way deep for me. And even in the really tough moments of my life and happy moments. So look, there's so many ways to practice gratitude. I mean, I just did a gratitude meditation, but there's a lot of journals out there that just like lines that you can start writing about. Gratitude is, you, people write this in their journals every day. So there's many different ways to practice gratitude. And so for me, one of the things I've learned is that for me to have a productive day, I not only have to have this framework that I've created over time, you know, look, I've this whole weekly, daily, quarterly, annual framework I've curated over years and years of practice. And also I've gone to a lot of workshops where people have introduced different concepts and I pulled out all the best things. And I said, you know, what if I created something, a tool for others to go through what I go through and help them become more organized, more successful, but infuse this with the framework of gratitude and the foundation of gratitude, being thankful for what we have, because it can help you become successful and remember what's important and, and actually have so many other health benefits like, like I talked about. So I put it all into this book, basically. And so for me, I think it's important to share what I've learned with other people, because I know that if I'm going to inspire a million people by the time I turn 50, which is my personal goal, I need to figure out ways to take what I've learned and give that to other people. And so I created a book over the past couple months um, to put the exact framework that I use every morning, every week, every quarter, every year um, into, into writing. And so that's what I've done. And gratitude is at the foundation. And so I've created this. Um, it's not a it's not a journal. I call it the gratitude planner because and it's not a planner where you're writing your calendar and you're in the book. That's not what it is. It's literally the process that I talked about a couple minutes ago about you have a weekly check in. You have a quarterly check in. You have an annual check in. But every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then the weekend, there's a page in the book for you to 
not only talk about gratitude, and we didn't really talk about this too much, Alexander, but the other things that help set up your day for success. There's a section for you to really talk and think about your morning routine. How do you do it? What do you do? Why do you do it? Your evening ritual, winding down before bed to get the best sleep at night, thinking about healthy choices, talking about the one thing each day you have to accomplish or achieve to make your day successful, like the three things I talk about throughout the week. Well, now each day, what's the one thing you need to do? So you also every day talk about celebrating success. You talk about what you're most excited about. You talk about the key learnings you have. You write all these things down on your daily page. And at the end of the week, when you have your weekly check-in, you can summarize them all. And this tool is really designed to help you iterate and learn from everything that you do every day, every week, every month, right, throughout the year. Because, look, we all say things like, oh, I need to remember to do this because this is going to help me in life. But how many times do we actually go and do it? You know, I had this aha moment like, oh, I should really be doing that. But then like a year later, I'm like, oh, yeah, I should really be doing that. <laughs> so this is going to help you take it all in and write it down because gratitude isn't about saying it out loud. It can be that can be part of it. Hey, that's a good start. But when you write it down, this is where the research comes into play. When you write it down on paper, it starts changing the, the plasticity in your brain. And again, I'm not, I'm not a doctor, but we talk about things like neurotransmitters and serotonin and dopamine, right? All these amazing things that are going to help your brain. When you write it down, that's the key. That's the secret sauce. So that's really what this book is a culmination of years and years of practice and learning different, different elements from different people, from different journals and putting it all into one flowing document or one flowing book or tool really to help you live the best day you can live, the best week you can live, the best month, the best life, really. And you have actually included, you know, even though this isn't one of your books that you're writing per se, it, obviously it is a book, uh, but, you know, you've written two best-selling books. You're working on your third best-selling book. I'm claiming it now. Um, but there is a good chunk. There's about 30 to 40 pages where people will actually be consuming a lot of this knowledge. And so it's not just one of those planners where you kind of get it. And, you know, there's not necessarily any guidance. You've actually put in a lot of energy in making sure that the, the user that gets this book, which, by the way, he's doing us a special uh, uh, until 9, p 9 a.m. this morning, Eastern Standard Time. So for the next hour and five minutes, the book is five dollars off. So if you click the link above, you can actually get the book for $9.99 is the lowest that you're going to see this book on, on sale for. So there's a great opportunity to take advantage of it. You're actually guiding the user on how to, how to practice the gratitude, how to use the actual planner, how to do these weekly meetings, et cetera, the why behind it. You're not just giving someone pages for them to fill out. You've actually given them the guidance on how to fill out the pages, correct? Yeah, that's exactly right. I'm taking all my years of my corporate experience and my strategy experience, and I'm giving you the guide on how to use this. So look, some people are going to want to just dive right in and start using it. That's great. Just dive right in and start using it. Flip to page, whatever it is, 50 or 40, and start using the daily page. But when you come to a point where like, what is this? There's about 40 pages at the beginning that explain every single section and why there's this flow and how they all tie together. I, I love that. And what's cool also is, I, you know, I would love, for, just you guys know, if you guys click on his face, his Instagram should be here. He is an Instagram influencer. He also has a pretty 
huge following over on TikTok as well. He primarily creates on Instagram. Find Corey on these socials. So maybe if you're having breakthroughs or you're having moments that some of this gratitude stuff actually works, you're like, what the heck, this woo-woo works? You can reach out to him. You could, you could you know, tag him in posts. You can share all the things because I can tell you one thing, that this gentleman has created shift in my life in the nearly, you know, it's over two years that we've now known each other, going on three years. Shift has happened because I see him practice these things on a regular basis. What's interesting is he's not someone that talks about it. He's someone that is about it. It isn't just about having gratitude and writing it down. It isn't just about time blocking and making sure your day is scheduled. It's not just about the Monday morning meeting and the quarterly meeting and the year in review. It's not just talking about it. He actually lives it. And for me, that is the most impressive thing. You know, when you look at this journal, uh, and again, it's not like a journal journal that you're thinking uh, or, or a planner, if you will. You still want to take this information and put it into your calendar on your phone or whatever calendar that you ultimately use. But Corey, when you're thinking about what this is going to do for the lives of people that actually, you know, get this into their hand, what excites you the most? And what are you hoping it does for the user, for your part, you know, the people who are actually uh, believing in you and investing in themselves? Absolutely. You know, for me, I'm all about positivity and happiness. And my higher purpose is to help others, you know, be fulfilled and be authentic and live out their higher purpose every day. And that's honestly like, what my, in my core, in my being, that's everything I do every day, everything I create, all the trips and retreats that I lead, right? Like all the books that I've written, the podcasts I have, even on my Instagram, like my goal is to help each person live their authentic being in life um, each and every day. And so that's what I hope this gratitude practice will help other people as much as it's helped me and allow me to see life in a different way. It's almost like you know, I, I have these lenses on that are just so, I see every color. I just appreciate everything. And I think for me, that's what I, I hope people can get. And, you know, this is going to be a great gift, by the way, for other people, for, you know, if this, for you right now, Christmas is coming up. This is going to get to you before Christmas for sure. Um, but this would be a great gift for those in your life that, you know, maybe it's someone that loves practicing gratitude that's practiced for a while, or maybe it's someone that said that they want to practice gratitude, or maybe that you know that, hey, this would really help someone in my life. Maybe it's a colleague, maybe it's a relative, maybe it's someone at your, your spiritual center. You know, there's all different types of people out there. So I just, my, my goal and mission in life, and I'm gonna continue doing this till the day I die, is to continue to inspire one person at a time because that's, when I, when I can see someone have that aha moment, and if you have that aha moment, take a picture and tag me on it, please on Instagram or social, or whatever, or send it to me privately, whatever you feel like doing. But that really gets me motivated and inspired to continue inspiring other people. I love that. And I love the fact that I know you enough. Well, I know you incredibly well, but I know that what you're saying isn't just something that you say. You actually genuinely mean it. He actually has a ticker on his website that counts down to a million of the people that he can say he's inspired because that is really a mission of his. He's actually keeping count. And I was number 50 to click that button. And I can say that I probably could have clicked it a million more times, just me. 
because you've caused so much shift in my life. You've taught me so much on a regular basis. I love watching you practice what you preach. I love how you have helped so many others find success in business, find success with their own health and wellness journey, find success in learning just how to meditate or simply how to have gratitude. You, my friend, you're an incredible human being. You change lives every single where you, every single place that you go.